time with him, and, and I'm so glad you're here for it. Um, I'm so thankful for you guys. I really am. I love you dearly. Um, we're going to bring up this. Um, we got so much going on. Kathy was talking about decorating the church tonight and eating and, and music and all that. It's fun. Uh, that's on the app, right? And you'd know about that. We're having a big banquet next Sunday. Everybody comes out, college students, community members. We fill this place. We have a blast. That is next Sunday night. That's on the app. What is this? There is a freezer plugged in right here. This is called the freezer of love. If you guys have never been a part of this, um, we're filling this with frozen meals for a family uh, in town. Um, they're not part of our Bethany family. They're welcome to be, but you know what? They don't know how they're going to eat uh, the rest of the winter, but they're going to know soon because they're going to have, we're going to deliver this. It's got prayers written on it. If you want to help do that afterward, you can do that, but uh, we'll probably be delivering this next week. Um, that's in the app. You get to know. So you can text in church. Text Bethany app to 77977. Do it right now. 77977. That's 77977. Standard texting and messaging rates may apply. So if you do this, you'll get a message and you'll have the app. You'll have activities, announcements, events, podcasts, sermon notes, prayer calendars, giving portal, prayer requests. It's all there. It's beautiful. Come on. Everybody's doing it. Okay. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about knockoffs. Knockoffs. Now we're surrounded by these in our lives. So I'm going to ask uh, that you uh, bring the lights down, please. And I have a song that is our knockoff theme. Can we get our groove on? It's a little Marvin Gaye. I know it predates. Ain't nothing like the real thing. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's special man. Special man. Special man is when you got a need, but it's not that extreme a need, right? I lost my phone and the battery's dead, so I can't help, can't call it. Can you help me, special man? He's like the distant third cousin of Superman. So that's special, man. Or you have a kid who has anger issues who wants a popular toy. So you get him this. Ill-tempered bird, right? You don't want him to get more angry, so you get the knockoff. Hey, here's a surprise. Alibaba has Nike sandals for five bucks a piece, so you buy them. And you get them, and they're on their way to your house. But when they arrive, you take a closer look. Oops, somebody's gonna be selling something on Gunnison Marketplace. Pretty soon, okay. It's late at night, you need a convenience store. You see this one, it'll do. Hey, I wasn't gonna use those other two 11s anyway. They just go away, so. And I'm all about like saving money, so like store brands and stuff like that. But take a look at this soda. Does this bother you like it bothers me? Dr. Perky. Right? Don't you want to know what the second place choice was for the name that lost out to Dr. Perky? You going to take your kids to go see Dr. Perky? I don't think so. 
of all of the knockoffs. Ain't nothing like the real thing, like butter, but we like to fake it, don't we? Take a look at this. It started with, I can't believe it's not butter. Now we're, wow, I totally thought that was butter. Wow, and, and that, wasn't, that wasn't good enough, so what's the next one? Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. This is like Sasquatch and UFOs. Now you got this. Unbelievable that this is not butter. And then we got... Oh, this is a little passive-aggressive. I like this one. Like, I don't care what you think, but I think, I think this tastes like butter, in my personal opinion. Right? This next one's my favorite because I think they just gave up. Memories of butter. Like, I remember one time in my life, memories of the butter on my bread. Right? And they just gave up. All right, let's hear it for knockoffs. Yes. The knockoffs, let's cut the music. Bring the lights up. Knockoffs, they ain't nothing like the real thing. Ain't nothing like the real thing. Now, knockoffs are bad in, in some regards, but substitutes just don't cut it when it's important stuff. But here's the thing. When we're looking for life, when we're looking for love, when we're looking for joy, as we are in this series, substitutes absolutely do not cut it. But here's the problem. Some substitutes are not as obviously bad as Special Man or Dr. Perky, right? Some of them are very subtle. They could even be good things. What about a substitute that's a good thing that keeps you from the best thing? Well, that's the most dangerous kind of substitute of all. And that's what we're talking about. And I need God's help. So let's pray. Lord, we just ask that you lay our hearts out before you. Lord, we want no substitutes. We want the genuine article. We want you. Uh, and we want you to reveal to us those areas of our lives, or maybe our whole life, that doesn't have you front and center. Lord, that's what we want. So we're going to listen, but you got to give us ears to hear. We're going we're gonna to respond, but Lord, you've got to give us hearts to want you. And then change us so nobody leaves here the same as when we came in. Lord, we love you, and we, we're so grateful you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so as I mentioned, we're in this Finding Joy series, and if you missed any of it, it's on the podcast. So if you have the app, you could know and you could catch up on the things that you missed. For instance, last week, Kai absolutely killed it. He says, finding joy in work. And in fact, I, got, I, I loved it. I'm going to have to listen to it again before I go to work tomorrow. But it's on the app. And if you would download it, I would appreciate it. So get that. But last time you and I were together here uh, was two weeks ago. And we said, joy is spelled Jesus, others, you. You may remember that, right? And we said, spelling counts and the order matters, right? If we get it mixed up, our joy goes out the window. Our life, our hope, our, our joy goes out the window. So the last time you and I were together, we focused on the middle and the end, right? We said, others got to come before you. And you have to be in third place. We had third place ribbons for everybody who wanted them. And we took them away and we said, okay, we're going to put others before ourselves and we're going to come third. Now today, we are going to the other end of the spectrum and we're focusing on the fact 
that you've got to put Jesus first. You've got to put Jesus front and center, center stage in your life, in every area of your life. If you want life and love and joy, if you want that to break into your life and break out of your life, you've got to make sure first things are first. And that's what we need to do. That's what we're talking about this morning, is being rock solid, sure that Jesus is the center of our lives in the center of every area of our lives. And that is what the Apostle Paul is talking about when he's writing to the church in Philippi. We're in the third chapter. This whole series is going through the book of Philippians, uh, which is a course on being ridiculously joyful. So here we're going to take a look in chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, open them there. If you got the app, you can follow along in that. you got your worksheet. It's on there. We're going to be picking it up in the beginning of chapter 3, verse 1. He's going to warn the Philippians that they are uh, being attacked by dogs, right? Now, he's not talking about cute puppies or the American dog show that was on on Thanksgiving Day. He's talking about these wild like coyote dogs that are around the edge of the city that, that eat the garbage and, and, and attack people. They're mean. He says that they used to call the, um, the Gentiles, they used to call them dogs, but he's saying the dogs are really the religious people and they're here to attack you. They're trying to attack this young church that didn't ever believe in God, right? But now they do and they're following Jesus Christ and the religious people are trying to get them to choose religion over relationship. They're trying to get them, this young church, to choose being religious over being in relationship with Jesus Christ. And Paul is about to tear these Judaizers a new one. Let's take a look in verse 1. He writes, finally, my brothers, my sisters, rejoice in the Lord, okay? Just get that. You got to find your joy in Jesus. Now to write these things to you, is no trouble to me, and it's safe for you. Look out for the dogs, right? These, these are, look out for the evildoers, he's saying. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. We are the circumcision, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence, no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone thinks... He has reason for confidence in the flesh. I have more. He's saying, okay, these dogs, these religious leaders, they they want to play the religion game. I play on that court and I will school you all day long because I do it better. I do it even better than you. And he keeps on going. He goes, "This this this is what I bring to the court, right? Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, me. Of the tribe of Benjamin, me. A Hebrew of the Hebrews, me. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, persecutor of the church. As to the righteousness under the law, blameless. Blameless. He's like, you, you religious leaders who are trying to get people to look like you, dress like you, talk like you, act like you, walk like you, you go head on with yourself. You, you back off. You back off. I don't care you grew up in the church. I don't care you went to Awanas. I don't care that you were earning all the badges, that you got an uncle who was a pastor. I don't care. I don't care that you got the perfect attendance at Sunday school. I don't care that you were homeschooled. I don't care you went on short-term mission trips. 
I don't care that you didn't drink, dance, smoke, or chew, or girl, go with girls who do. You just back off because none of that matters. I did that, and I did it all better than you. And I'm here to say, it doesn't matter for me either. What matters is knowing Jesus Christ. Because you can do all of that stuff and eat at Chick-fil-A and not know Jesus Christ. Or you can know Jesus Christ and not have any of that stuff. And you're still good. The issue is not being religious. It's being in relationship with Jesus. And so here's what it comes down to. Religion doesn't matter. What matters is relationship. We don't have this church so you can be religious. We have this so you can have a strong relationship in Jesus, right? Knowing Jesus personally, deeply, intimately. That's what he's talking about. He goes on in verse 7. But whatever gain I had, anything good I had going for me, any things I would put in the plus column, I count everything as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. You put on this side every good thing in my life, every bad thing, everything that would count to my, my credit, and you put over here knowing Jesus Christ. And none of that compares. None of that is worth anything compared to this, compared to knowing him. And all things I count as rubbish that I might gain Christ. That word rubbish, that's interesting. You got your Bibles open, you might want to circle that word. Okay? You might want to underline it. I want, I want to teach you a word from the ancient Greek that he actually wrote. See, um, when they did the translation, they kind of cleaned this up a little bit, made it a little politically correct, and chose the word rubbish. But in the ancient Greek, the word is skubalon. Will you say that word with me? Skubalon. Say it, skubalon. It's like scooby doo Skubalon. But you know what skubalon means? I count all things as skubalon. When you take your dog for a walk, you have to make sure you take a bag so that you can pick up his skubalon. Yeah. You just said that word in church. You just said dog poop in church. <laughs> Honey, I think it's your turn to change Junior's diaper. He got a scubalon diaper, right? Paul wrote that. He's saying this. Every good thing, every self-righteous thing that would make the, the God's God accept me, God's God, look at me, I'm, you put that there, you put knowing Jesus Christ over here. All of that. Good, bad, and different. That's scubalon. That's nothing compared to Jesus Christ. And he keeps going. He goes, in order that I might be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, that comes from keeping all the rules, but that which comes through relationship, through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Here's, here's the, the magnum opus, that I may know him that I may know him, that I might know him. That is it. That is it. That's the stuff of my life. I, you could take all the riches of the world. You could take all the fame. You can take all the, that I might know him. That's what I crave. 
in the power of his resurrection and share in his sufferings. On. Here we go. Becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Here's what he's saying. It doesn't matter whether my life is hard, whether it's painful, whether I, I just want to know Jesus. And, and if I can have that, I have everything. He said, that is the craving of my soul. It's like you think about the, the Psalms as the deer pants for the water. I can't go on. I can't get up in the morning. I can't relate to another person. I can't I can't have strength for this moment. I can't have joy. I can't have light in my eyes. I can't have thoughts in my head. If I don't know you, I need to know you, and I need to know you deeper. That's the cry of my heart. That's the yearning of my life. That is my deepest desire, he's saying. And he says he wants that. He wants that for us. And, and some of us, some of us think, this is the Apostle Paul. Doesn't he already know Jesus? Isn't he like one of Jesus' besties? Yes. Although he came to Christ after, after Christ died and, was wrote, and rose from the dead, right? Because he was beaten up and persecuting the church. And then Jesus appeared to him, right? And spoke to him. And several other times during his life, Jesus showed up and talked to Paul. Doesn't Paul know Jesus already? Jesus, Paul just told you, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He had the whole Old Testament memorized. He wrote most of the New Testament. Doesn't he already know Jesus? Yeah, but we're talking about something deeper. He's talking about deep, deep intimacy, consuming experience. Here's something we need to know when we talk about knowing. The knowing that Paul is talking about is so different than knowing about. He's talking about knowing deeply, personally, intimately, experientially, ever deeper, right? And knowing about? Man, they, those thing, two things aren't even in the same universe. So, so, so the question before us, you and me, is do you, do I, do we know Jesus in that sense, in that deep, in that personal, in that passionate, in that experiential way? Or do we know about him? Because if we only know about him, we could switch that today. We could, we could change that and actually begin to know him and grow in knowing him, right? That's what we can do. We don't have to just know about him. Now, when we talk about know, in the Bible, knowledge, like it's, it's knowing. It, it talks about the deepest possible intimacy, the deepest possible connection. Same word, Adam knew Eve, right? David knew Bathsheba. <laughs> uh, man shall leave his family and cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh and know one another, right? Um, that's that's what we're talking about. Not the sex part, but what it symbolizes is deep personal knowing. Like that's what intercourse um, is a symbol of. Is that deep? If your folks haven't had the talk with you, you might want to call them because it's time, right? So, um, but that's what we're talking about, right? It's beautiful. It's deep. It's, it's inseparable. 
It's inseparable. And, and, and it's so precious, which is why it breaks God's heart when some of us hand that out like it's candy or we settle for porn when we're really searching for intimacy, right? So that's the knowledge of knowing. That's the craving. That's the desire. And the King David had the same one. He says, Lord, I know you so well, but if I can ask one prayer, one thing, one thing I would ask of you, Lord, one thing I would seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I just want to be with you. More than all the goals that I have, I just want to be with you, to look upon you on the beauty of of your presence and the beauty of you, Lord, and, and inquire within your temple to talk to you, to listen to you. I just have this hunger, this desire to know you. And Jesus himself said, our deep desire for life, for love, for joy is really our desire to know God. He wove this into us. He says, and this is eternal life, that they know you in this sense, that intimate, passionate, deep, continually deepening, know you, the only true God, and me, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You see, you see, this is not just talking about eternal life, what happens when you flatline here. This eternal life begins the moment you accept Jesus Christ, right? Right now, deep life, ultimate life, deep joy is connected to how well you know him. You know him. And that's what he's calling us to do. Your deep joy is tied to whether or not you know him. Jesus gave his life so that you could know him and experience him. And the question for you and me is, will we give our life back to him so we actually can? So we live in this, I feel like a little bit of a dinosaur. I'm I'm definitely the oldest guy in in, in the room, but... um, we, we have what we call now like an experience economy. And I'm not sure that's a bad thing. I think this is really pretty enlightened. People are saying and people are believing that we should not just spend our lives and our, our, our wealth and accumulating stuff, right? That, Jesus would be all about that. He would say, like, your life doesn't consist in the, in the bunch of stuff you got. But the experience economy says, what you want to accumulate is experiences because ultimately what you own is what you experience. So um, I think the Apostle Paul, I think Jesus would agree with that, would agree with that. So here's the question. What do you most want to experience? What is it? Now, now I'm not asking you to say it out loud, um, but give yourself an honest answer because that's all we can, we can do is authentic. Like that, Jesus doesn't play in any other... He wants to play authentic. So, 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 so what do you most want to experience in your life? Success? A certain level of wealth where you could do whatever you want, whenever you want it. Maybe that's something you want to experience. Maybe peace. Maybe love, true love you want to experience. Maybe uh, security. Maybe um, some level of fame. A, a, a nicer house, a better job, a more promising future, a good family, whatever that is. Those are not bad things. It's not bad things. But if you got every single one of them, if you got every single one of them, chances are you and I would describe those as blessings, would we not? We'd say, man, I'm so blessed, right? 
However, the worst parts of our lives, the worst times when you felt the most pain, they tend to draw you closer and closer to the only hope that you have, which is in God, right? Your ultimate hope. Here's what, if you're anything like me, the blessings that we just talked about, here's what they tend to do for us. They tend to shift my focus onto them, onto the blessings rather than the blesser, right? The more I get blessed, the more I kind of wander. And so, he, so here's, here's the thing. Anything that would keep you from knowing and experiencing more of Jesus is not a gain. It's not a blessing, but it's a loss, right? Those very things can be a gain if they drive us deeper to Jesus, right, as the center. So here's what I think. Here's what I think. I think that we all desperately want to experience Christ. God gave us that hunger, that desire, but we, we misdiagnose our desire. And we, and we try to fill that desire with other things, and we're more of the same things that have never satisfied us in the past. So, so um, some things that are good, some things that are bad, but we're just not getting to the root of our satisfaction, our desire, which is to know him. And by his grace, he lets us be dissatisfied with everything that is not him. So, so do this with me. My desire for blank, whatever your blank is, whatever word that you picked for your great desire, might that really be a craving to know Christ that you've misdiagnosed? Maybe. Maybe it is. Maybe your desire for this thing is really a craving to know Jesus and you just misdiagnosed it. Because here's the thing, whatever you put in that blank... Were you to get it, something else would take its place. Because there's nobody who's, uh, no, I, I, I just don't, you know, one car, that's all I need. One, one beach house, that, that's it. One, one woman, one, one Super Bowl ring, one. Something, something else is going to take that place. Because it's not enough. So that thing, that thing, if you had it and you put it here and you put knowing Christ here, that is scubalon, right? Knowing Christ. If you can have that, then, then all the things or all the not things, it wouldn't matter because you've got it all. That's what he's saying. So I just want us to get centered down and say, do you, when, when we hear Paul's cry, I want to know Christ. When we hear King David say, all I want, the one thing is to be with you. That, that's all I want. When they cry, is that your heart cry? Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. But that's the man that I want to become. That, 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 that's the man that I want to be. I want to be more of that when we say goodbye than I was when we said hello today. Is that the man or the woman that you want to be? Because that's, that's all that Jesus wants is your want to. Right? He'll move in that. He'll honor that. He'll make that trade. He will. So we're going to ask him, Lord, would you give us that deep craving 
Would you let us know that that is our deep craving, that we must have you and accept no substitutes because everything else is a substitute. Well, maybe you're in the point of life where you're saying, what I deeply desire is out there. It hasn't happened yet. It's, it's my future. It's what my purpose is. It's, it's, it's my career, my family, my future relationships, my, my future whatever. The purpose of your life the meaning of your life, the point of your life is to know the author of your life. And if you don't get that and you get all the other, it's scubalon. You got to make sure that you get the point and the point is to be united with him. And then he could take you anywhere he created you to be. But if you go everywhere looking for it without that, that's when we, so we get off base with all these substitutes. So here's the thing. We ask ourselves, rather than, than doing what, what Paul would say, which trading everything to know and experience Jesus, ask yourself, have I traded knowing Jesus to experience everything else? And that's why I'm dissatisfied. So you know, it's easy, it's easy for... Christian types and church types to say, just make Jesus number one. Just make Jesus first in your life. And I can say, well, yeah, I, I did that. I did that when I was 16. I, I put him first and I received him in my heart and I'm, I'm saved. And, and that's true. But if I just think of Jesus as first, then it's easy for me to play that, to twist it, to spin it and justify it and say, okay, now let's focus on numbers two through 25. And then just like go hard after that. And then Jesus is just in the glove compartment where I put him. He's nearby, and I know where he is, but he's not going to cause me any problems and get in the way of two through five. Because he's first, but that's not what he's talking about. So rather than talk about putting Jesus first, I'd like to talk about putting Jesus center. Center. So here's a, let's, let's, uh, let's do the, yeah. That's a target. It's not a Black Friday target, right? This is just like a target. It's a, it's a circle. This would represent your life, right? Now, someone or something is in that red zone, is in the bullseye, the center stage. This is the person or thing that is center of your life, which everything else must revolve around. Right? You decide whether a thing is good or bad or desirable or not desirable based on how it affects that thing. That could be you, could be something else, could be a dream. What is that thing for you? What is front and center in your life? And the question is, is that Jesus Christ? Because my friend, and I... I don't say this with joy, but whatever you put there is your God. It is your God. That, that's the definition of God, the, the center around which everything else revolves. And, and if it's not Jesus Christ, then just bring the lights down if you would, Matt. I just want to lead you in a prayer. And, and, and if you want to change who is front and center, you can do that right now. You could put Jesus center of your life. Just 
use these words, but speak them in your heart to God as I do. Okay, right after me. Lord Jesus, tell him this. Lord Jesus, I put you as center of my life. I repent of my sins. I thank you for dying in my place and rising for my new life. Forgive me. Come into my heart and take center stage. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you, um, if you prayed that and, and you meant it, then God goes where you invite him. Um, he moved in, and he's going to be talking to you. Bring the lights back up and keep that target up there. What about, what about for many of my friends here and myself, and, and you say, yeah, I made that transaction a long time ago. But you know what we did? We kind of condominiumized our life. We compartmentalized our life into different circles, different targets, if you will. Okay? I want you to think about the circles in your life. You might have one for school. You might have one for your uh, athletics. You might have one for your career. You might have one for your relationships. You might have one for your abilities, your hobbies. For me, I, I need one for competitive pairs, figure skating. I need that. Um, whatever, okay, that, that was a joke. But I could be very good at it, I could. I want to ask you, in each of those circles of your life, there's a target. I want you to think about what is the most important circle. Name it. Name it in your head. Who or what is at the center of that circle? Will you make Jesus the center of that circle? I want you to think about um, the circle of your life that gives you the most anxiety. I, I don't know what it is, but you do. Name it. Name, name that anxious circle. Who, who or what is at the center? No, no, I'm not... I'm willing to bet that it's not Jesus, okay? And that's the reason that you or I have anxiety over that. Will you, will you trade that? Will you, will you put him as center there? There's a hopeless circle. I don't know what that's called for you, but you do. What's that hopeless circle called? Name it. Who or what is at the center? willing to put Jesus at the center? Why do, why do I use a target? Um, there's a reason that we use the, the target for the circles is because that, you know how we get all crazy about this word sin? Do you know what sin means? Sin means to miss the bullseye, not break the rule. It means to miss the bullseye, not to break the rule. Doesn't that make sense now? Is that, that, that when, we, when we take God out of the only place he belongs, in, in, in our hearts, in our lives, or in these areas of our life, then everything goes, goes haywire. 
because we missed the bullseye. It's not because you broke the rule. You broke the rule as a result of missing the bullseye, right? And so I had a guy, I love him. He's, he's a deep man of God who comes up and he says, I go hard after everything. I'm so, I, I love that about you. He goes, so, so I have my great family, my great wife, and, and a great job and a great career, and, and I want to go hard after my work, but I also want to go hard after Jesus, but I don't have to. I said, buddy, don't you realize that you're trying to separate the sacred from the secular, like the, the godly and the other? There is no other. When your work when you put Jesus as the bullseye of your work and you do it all to celebrate him and reveal him to other people and celebrate him and, and honor him, and then when you go hard at work, you're going hard after him. But you see, it's all integrated. And he said, yeah, yeah. So this is a time when we, um, when we have to invite Jesus to be center of our lives or the center of one of the circles that we've kept him from. And um, we celebrate the meal that says he took every arrow into himself that we shot when we missed the bullseye. He put it through himself so that we would not be punished. You would just be welcomed home and given another chance to let him put himself there. He doesn't do that for any other reason than you putting him there gets you to enjoy him and him you. And that makes even the best life and the most stuff look like scuba. And that's what he wants for you today and forever. It's this meal. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he got together with his friends. He took a loaf of bread and he thanked his Father in heaven. He broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take it, eat it, and know how much I love you. Accept no substitutes. The end of the meal, he took a cup again. He thanked his Father in heaven. He gave the cup to his friends and he said, take this, all of you, and drink from it. This is the cup of my blood which I'm spilling out so that you can be washed clean of all the times you're going to miss the bullseye. I took it for you because I love you. It's for the forgiveness of sins for you and for all. And when you take this, when you drink this, when you drink anything, I want you to remember how much I love you. Accept no substitutes.
It doesn't matter whether you're a member of this church. If you have made that transaction to say, Jesus, you are center. You are center. My life, my forever. This meal is for you. If you haven't, I want to help you do that. Help you take that step. Um, but, but if you have, this meal is for you. Just do the centering that he revealed to you in that area and then come celebrate the fact that you're the center of his heart. Okay? I'm going to be hanging out over there. Ty will be hanging out by the front door. Um, if you want to talk to or pray with or just get a blessing prayed over you for anything, okay, you do that. It just gets better for you. I love you.